Okay. <sighs> there we go. Chris Trani, here we are. We're not live, are we? Yep. <laughs> but we're like not starting, right? Yeah, I mean, what a, oh you know. Oh my god. <laughs> you can cut it or not cut it. I don't care. It's uh it's not. I'm not going to try to uh, ambush you like Brennan Gay on his podcast, which he would do. He would just start he would start recording before people even came into the room. Right. And then you would right. walk in and people would be like, wait, are we recording? Right. I right. think I remember Jarrell saying that. Is this, is this actually recording? That's what I said on mine. Yeah. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's so weird because he'd have his pants down and you'd just be... <laughs> Classic <laughs> Brendan <know>. Gay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brendan being Brendan. <laughs> the name really had a lot of meanings. <laughs> we um, I should probably not relate this Brendan Gay story, but when we were filming the TV show in, uh, in <laughs> Iceland... He went out and it was like me and the other guy, Zach, who were on the show, we yeah. had been fucking fighting so hard for the first like really? three or four days to just get shit done. Yeah. We had a, I had to fire my director of photography in the first 24 hours we were there. Why? And there's a dude who I flew out from San Francisco. I mean, I say I flew him out. Zach and I both flew him out um, because he was terrible. He was absolutely awful. As a guy I've known since high school, by the way. Wow. So like he was a childhood friend-ish and... This guy fucked up so bad in the first 24 hours that me and Zach were like, I can't, we can't have you here. How did he, how did he fuck up? Give His it, biggest, the biggest, most egregious one was that he, we shot, we did an entire day of shooting and it, we found out that he had the wrong, uh, memory card in the camera the whole time. So none of the stuff we shot, oh it was all God. gone. And so he's an amateur. He he kind of tricked you guys. That's exactly what happened. And he had he convinced me to rent like eight hundred dollars worth of like equipment that he said he would need. And like none of it worked together and like none of it. And what's really fucked up is that like the and I'm stupid because uh, the equipment company messaged Zach, who is the one who is actually like filling out the form and renting it. Yeah. And he was like. Yeah, they're telling me that like a lot of this doesn't work together, and I'm like, well, I'm like, Mike is a professional in, in San Francisco, so like maybe he has some idea of how this is gonna work. And so we call Mike up, yeah. and who I'm not gonna say his last name, but like we call him up, and he's like, no, this is I look, I know what I'm doing, and like, yeah, they would say that. I understand why they would say that, but like, you know, I have a way that I'm gonna have this all together. Just trust me. And oh so we were God. like, all right. I'm like, I've known the guy since, for like 15 yeah. years. So, yeah. <clears throat> and I mean, he does professional work. Like he posted online, like I see this stuff. It looks good. Wow. So anyway, where this is going is we had to fire him like pretty much right away. And so, so for so the what next. what did he do the remainder of the trip? Did he just I sent him home. you guys around? No, I sent him home. I, I didn't want him around. I fucking, he's terrifying. Like not only did he, this is a story that I, I should tell at some point, but I can't do it now because to do it justice would take a couple hours because yeah. it was such an insane like production process. I thought I had to hide the knives and scissors in the house because I thought I was like, this Mike might murder us. Like wow. it was insane. We were all in this Airbnb and uh, he was just the scariest, weirdest dude. Like um, he just clearly was a narcissist who, yeah. if you start piercing the veil of narcissism, just doesn't have anything to rely on. So he just like gets really intense and weird and like, yeah was starting to tell these like vaguely threatening stories about like situations he was in in the past where someone slighted him and he had to like he like you know he was like well when you know I don't never I would never pull a gun on anyone but but <laughs> I'll let people think I had a gun so that they know that I'm not someone to trifle with like uh -uh. those would be like the I'm like what the fuck are you talking about like yeah. 
So, <clears throat> which is almost like work. That's like, hey, I'm packing heat, but I'm not. But, but I, I want you to think that. I yeah, am. but maybe I am. <laughs> it's, it was so weird. It's he, just so bad. He snuck drugs into Iceland, which like no, is neither here nor there in the sense that yeah. I don't care. Like yeah. I don't, I don't really care about it. Like, yeah, you. I have no moral opinion on you right. taking drugs or even trafficking drugs. But when I'm putting up like literally thousands of dollars of my money to try to shoot this pilot yeah. and you're doing things that could yep. threaten it like that, it's really not cool. Yeah. And it's not acceptable. So we fired this guy and sent him home. That was on the first day. <laughs> oh my God. And then so, so Brendan missed his flight on the way out to Iceland Oh shit. and he was able to talk his way into getting another flight. Somehow of with Wow Airlines, yeah. Brendan Gay talk himself into. He something? probably just took the. What? Yeah, I know, right? What? He probably just took the the lady behind the counter in the back and like ate her out or something. Yeah, and she was he, like, he, oh, he, not even. It. He probably just smiled. Come on. Yeah, right. Oh, come, come on. on. Oh, you really can't like, do anything for me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and he looks up at her with his doughy eyes. Yeah, and pretty she's much. Like, All right. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he's such a good looking guy. He just, he's he's so good looking. It's dangerous because he yeah. could get himself into situations he can't like get himself out of. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen him do that. That, but yeah. I'm completely aware that that's the case. Yeah. So anyway, where yeah. I'm going with this whole ridiculous story is that um, we fire this guy. Zach and I then have to find a new DP for the project. Yeah. Not only do we have to do that, we have to find memory cards that work for the camera. And it's Iceland, which and it's the weekend. So everything's oh closed God. in the whole country. Um, there's only two or three shops in the whole country that have the card that we need. And those cards are super expensive. They're like $800. Oh, my God. So we had to buy two of them, and which oh was ridiculous. God. Yeah. And I mean, there was a nightmare. Yeah, it was a real nightmare. And so we literally, I messaged every. There's no Best Buy Iceland. No, nothing, (laughs) nothing. Holy. There's there's shops that are like Priknatriet Iceland. Oh my god. And it's like they have you walk in and they have like camera equipment, but not for your camera. They have like under a shelf somewhere the one thing that you need. Mm -hmm. It's so weird. And so, um, I will say for Iceland though that they do have a really good like uh infrastructure for people shooting films because like a lot of films get shot there yeah so like we connected with this um place called kook kook i think and uh they really hooked us up but part of that was because we got this new dp yeah i literally messaged every director of photography in the country one night i stayed up like six hours i shot emails to literally everyone and by by the time the sun was coming up the next day pete People, everybody in the country knew who I was. Like everybody yeah. who was in a director of photography yeah. filmish position was like, right. "Oh, I already got your email forwarded to me from." Yeah. Like that's how small the country is. Like, yeah. and so finally, one what of is these the population <clears throat> over there. It's three hundred thousand people. Oh my god. The whole country. Oh my god. That's like that's like a big college town. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's, yeah. Ann Arbor, Michigan has more people in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you basically were emailing around for all the shooters in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which would not be hard to do. No, you could get on. There's Ann probably Arbor. fewer of them in Ann Arbor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could get on the Ann Arbor film page. That's about the equivalent. So um, literally, what ends up happening, just to finally round out this story, um, the one of these guys is. Um, <clears throat> is busy but he gets back to me and he goes look i have like a protege and he's available yeah um because i made it very clear in the message i was like look we cannot pay you or we can't pay you very much like this is already a bootstrap project but here's what you would be involved in you would get a great reel we have all the equipment like we're interviewing the former mayor of Reykjavik. yeah um, he's a fa- he's like the most famous 
probably the second most famous stand-up comic in all of Iceland. Like, we're interviewing all the most famous comedians in Iceland. Yeah. Like, you'd get involved with all that stuff. Yeah. And so he go he sends us to his, like, protege, this guy named Robert Magnusson. Yeah. And uh, that guy sends us an email back. I've been up all night emailing. He's like, let's meet. Uh, we meet at a couple hours later at this, like, cafe around the corner from where we're staying. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. He's like, I'll do it. Sure. Yeah. He's like, I'll do it. I'll, I'll shoot for the next eight days. I don't care. Yeah. Like, great dude. And without him, the project wouldn't be possible. So anyway, that goes on for that all that insanity that I just described to you, plus even more insanity, like, like actually even more insanity took place during the first few days of filming. Then Brendan arrives in Iceland. Oh, my God. And so Zach and I were like these gristled old veterans that had hit the beach on D-Day and like had to fucking watch our friends get blown up and like do things that we never thought we would have to bring ourselves to do. Yeah. And like just all this this terribleness for like three days. Right. And And then then Brendan. Brendan Gay Gay gets to show up and just be like, yeah, I liberated Normandy and just like fuck these like women who are so happy. And like he just. He was so I hated I've never hated him more yeah. like because yep. and I love Brendan a lot, but I just could not. I was like, this guy does not get like he doesn't know. No, he doesn't know what yeah. we had to do to yeah. like survive. Yeah. And so anyway, I say this because Brendan Gay with his pants off is where the story started. Right. Uh, Zach and I did not want to go out one night and Brendan got went out when I got blasted, pro- like probably hooked up with some chick or something and came back home and had his pants but took uh, his pants uh, off and did not have any underwear on. And we were like, uh, what happened uh, to your underwear, dude? <laughs> and he was like, oh, shit, dude, I don't know. <laughs> like, like he was changing, and he thought he had underwear on, oh and it God. turns out he didn't. <laughs> oh, my God, Brendan. Uh, so how did how did the pilot turn out? Uh, it, it, it's still being worked on. The guy, same guy, Robert, is editing it. Okay. The trailer that we have is really, really good. Yeah. Um, it was edited by a dude from HBO named Noah Wagner. Wow. And that has gotten us pretty much everything we've gotten, wow. like meetings. It's gotten us attention. We've wow. it got us finalists in the New York Television Festival. Where can we see it? I I feel like I haven't I should, seen the I'll, trailer. I'll post it on this thing so everybody can take a look at it. Yeah. Um. It it's a pretty. It looks really good. Like yeah. the trail. They did. They honestly did a great job with the trailer. Nice. And the thing that I keep joking about is when I show it to people and they're like, "Wow, this is cool." I'm like, yeah. "I better be. It cost me like twelve grand. Like all to, like cow. all together. Holy cow. Yeah, it was nuts. I mean, we'll see. The pilot is really what where that the money went. Mm-hmm. But like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's insane to think about how much shooting is. It's like yeah, renting equipment, flying. I mean, like if we didn't have to deal with that issue with like the crazy, you know, yeah. DP that I had to fire and send back home. It probably would have been less. Yeah. But it was just, it was a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you've got, wow. Well, first off, congrats. I, I don't, how are you, this is kind of, I noticed you've got a Tim Ferriss book on your shelf. Like, how are you accomplishing so much? Um, God, I, I, first of all, I don't feel like I am. Yeah. And the second is just, you know, anxiety and nail biting but, but like let me let me hone in yeah 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 uh, anxiety uh just 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 yeah i i i can relate but like well how are you accounting you're doing not you're doing not one but two i think successful shows in chicago yeah three if you count um uh so you're tied to the house of blues comedy yes, yes. um a tight ship yes and also a comedy show uh, f- uh, formerly of a comedy, comedy show. show. Yeah, so, yeah, okay, got yeah, it. yeah, I stepped away. I was just, it was a lot. I was doing too much. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've got my hands in a couple of things. 
But uh, hold on. I want to, I mean, <laughs> I do a lot. And we were just talking about this before we got on the podcast. Like, how do you have this balance between, because you and I both have 40 hour a week corporate jobs, yeah, right? At, yeah. I'm, I'm, I work more like 45 to yep. 45 to 50 a week. Yep. That sounds about right. And then, uh, yeah. And then honestly, man, I don't, I have not had enough time to do comedy lately. Yeah. I, I do, I, I have been doing a lot more. Well, it's been weird because, you know, like, uh, when you and I first met, I was doing, uh, I just moved to Chicago and was doing uh, like open mics like crazy. Yeah. And I was doing the every That's day. Right. You were like the open mic. You were one of those open mic maniacs. Yeah. Me and Bill had a contest to see who could do more. Who won? He did because I. Final number? His number was 300 and. He did. We were doing consecutive days. Yeah, I did a hundred and nine, and finally, like between my day job and just life and everything, yeah. I just got sick. And finally, after a hundred days, I was like, you know what? I think I proved to myself whatever I was trying to prove with this. Sure. So I felt fine, and I like it's so funny, dude, because I was living with Jake West at the time. Yeah. And stopped doing, like. I, I was like, you know what? I'm not going out today. And it yeah. was like April. And he was like, that's okay, man. Like, you don't have to do that. And I immediately, as soon as my body accepted that I was not going to do that, yeah. I immediately passed out on the couch because yeah. I was just I exhausted. It. Bill went for 371 days or something. He that's did it for longer than a year. That's unbelievable. Every day for longer than a year. I remember he, yeah, he would, he'd announced too. He's like, I'm doing 300, I'm going up every night. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, he did a TED talk about it. Yeah. Like he he um but it's funny because what you learn by doing that is that after probably six, 2 months of it, you're like, "Oh, this isn't I'm not going to whatever I was supposed yeah. to learn doing this, I've already learned it." Yeah. Like there's no so it was like the first 35 to like 45 days yeah. was like really good. Yeah. And then the rest of that time was like this is ju- it's not I'm not learning anything new. Like you can only yeah. get so much out of 4 minute bits. Yes, and I actually think like in an open mic room, you can only get so much out of that working that room, yep. right? Yep. Like I've done two shows in the past two nights and learned from both of them. Yeah. Because they were shows and with a real like audience, with real audiences and real rooms and real situations. Whereas like at an open mic, it takes you know what I'm saying. It like takes that. It takes those elements out of it. Oh, completely. So so it's like a it's like a flat line lear- learning cur- curve at a point sometimes in yeah. an open mic. I think you know? that part of the reputation I've gotten for being a comic who yells at the crowd yeah. <laughs> comes yeah. from that kind of period of time. Sure. Because it's like after a while when you're just doing all these open mics in front of comics, you're like, fuck you guys. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like this shit is funny and people laugh at it and you're yeah. just a bunch of grizzled assholes mm-hmm. who are just sitting here waiting for your chance to go up. Yeah. And like it just you the law of diminishing returns kicks in really quickly. I but that's that's kind of what I'm trying to say. I think there is a diminishing returns with mics. Yep. Because uh, the room could be burnt. I, I just think like the learning curve is already sort of uh, uh, tapered down. Yeah. With an open mic, and I mean, can you imagine like if you could if you could supplement uh, an actual show over an open mic and could you imagine like like every night you knew that you were going to hit a show yeah now all of a sudden you'd be i think you'd be a lot braver about working in new material yep i think you'd be a lot more open to experimentation you know i think you'd be a lot more confident yep Yep. 
Like, I think that you, there's I will say this for open mics is I think that there's a there's a kind of rigor that open mics force you to develop. Sure. That I think is is meaningful. Sure. Cuz it's like you you it, it just it I think that it actually does something positive. Oh yeah. But it 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 only does it past a certain to a certain point and then it's not helpful or useful anymore. Right. Do you know you know what open mics are good for that like they force me to do new material. Yep. Cuz like if I'm doing a show I'm like all right, I'm doing my opener. Yeah. All right, uh that'll probably be my closer. Like all right, I might work on some some might work on some new stuff in the middle, but like if I want to do well, I might not. And so it's like, but see, then you, you go to an open mic and it, it flips the ratio of old to new flips itself on its yeah. head. Yep. It's like now all of a sudden I'm doing 80% new Yep. and struggling and 20%, you know, so it's this kind of And like, it's weird because you'll, if you do any of that new material and you, and it starts to shape up, right. then if you take it to a, a show, yeah, suddenly yeah. it's like, you're like, wow, this it's, is way stronger stuff. It's got legs. Yeah. Yeah. But I have to admit that that's not always true only because there are certain things that open like yeah. crowds with yeah. comics love yeah. that a real crowd is like, what the fuck did you just say? Yeah. That's a dark alley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ooh. I can't tell you how many times I run down that alley. Yeah. And then <laughs> you're like, like <laughs> oh, here we are. And I'm like, dude, so still this haunts me to this day. I had a joke that. I would tell about police brutality. I had a police brutality joke. Nice. Yeah. And I <laughs> did it at an open mic, big laugh, did it at a big laugh, did it at a packed open mic. It was like, boom. Like uh, my friend uh, at the time was like, that was probably the biggest laugh in the room that night. You know, like, and then the next night, so the fourth night, I'm I'm grinning on my way to the show. I'm doing an improv show. Yeah. And I am grinning. I'm like, wow, I have got, the joke this could be like one of those jokes that like <laughs> goes into the you know if ever you get to tape an hour like this could go in the hour like you could be what I was the see, joke oh dude i don't even want to tell it because <laughs> i don't i don't even want like any sort of like record of it to be uh, it's so funny <laughs> and uh anyway so I, i'm up there and i'm doing old stuff and i'm so bored and then i get excited all right like let's unleash this bit and i throw it out and then it's like done not even not only does it not hit this woman in the front row starts this improviser starts going no <laughs> no oh my god no no <laughs> and i was like ah uh, ah uh, i've never had an audience member so tell funny. me no <laughs> it's so weird i did uh so i had so this is what happens when you're uh, when you're a white comic and you hang out with black comics all the time so like yeah. all of my best friends in the scene are mostly all black comics like I yeah. who have now moved mostly but it was yeah. for the longest time it was Bill Petit and Joshua yeah. Dusanya oh you mean black comics yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm kidding St. James like yeah yeah, yeah. uh sort of Skylar and Nick when they showed up yeah um other you know like yeah. most mostly that that crew of people I saw Nick last night. I did a show with him last night Nick uh, Ogle's funny and he he had a good set that was yeah. a good joke He's a funny dude people want to like him yeah um so anyway, so I was I was hanging out with a lot with them, and I told this one we were just riffing and you know bullshitting and all this stuff, and I whatever whatever turn of phrase I used, I I I punchlined that that bit to that group of people with the, using the N word, yeah, and they thought it was so fucking funny. And St. James yeah. was like, "You have to say this on stage." He's yeah. like, "This is so funny," yeah. like because he's like nobody would expect you to say it. Right. It fits in. And wait, the, you say the N word on stage? I mean, I've have said it. 
That's oh, like shit. where so that's where the story is going is because I'm quoting something that one of my black friends said because they literally oh, just did. God. This just sounds like yeah, it's oh. going down a dark rabbit hole. <laughs> so that's exactly what happened, and I was uh, at the annoyance. I can just see you explain. No, I'm quoting one of my black friends. <laughs> like, <laughs> like no, I I'm not saying it. My black friend said it. <laughs> I'm just reporting to you <laughs> no, what he said. No, I didn't say the N word. It was so, oh my that's god, so funny. So anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt. So yeah, you're at the so that's pretty much what happened. <laughs> like so, uh, the just the the big punch of the story was just that I was at the Annoyance uh, Theater and uh, doing the um, little comedy showcase or whatever, which is like one of the best actual yeah. fun show, little fun shows to do, yeah. like in the city because yeah. it's it's a tight room. It's great. It's like yep. when it's hot, it's really hot. Mm -hmm. And I was having a pretty good set and like yeah. people were going along with me. And then I said that bit and dropped uh -huh. that word and it was like the air went out of the room. It was literally like I hit a fucking wall <sighs> at 70 miles an hour. Yeah. And then yeah. I got off stage. Like, I couldn't recover. And so I was like, all right, well, I fucked this room up. So yeah. thanks so much, guys. And then yeah. got off stage. Didn't get any applause. Lily, I don't know what Lily did because uh, she got on and was like, wow, that was fucked up or whatever. <laughs> and then Mike O'Keefe got on stage. And yeah. Mike... Mike was so mad at me really? after that set because he was like, why the fuck did you do that? Wow. And I'm like, well, I did it because here's the thing. Like after St. James told me to do it, I did it at an open mic yeah. and it crushed so hard. Yeah. Like people thought it was hilarious yeah. and were like laughing. Yeah. And, yeah. But you get in front of real people and they just oh, yeah. clam right up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I'm just going to save it for when I go to clan rallies and things like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, when you're doing your rooms, <laughs> you know, your people. Family reunions. <laughs> yeah, when you're when you're working your fans, Brendan. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, there there is something to be said. I mean, so I think I've talked about this before, but stand-up comedy has surprisingly turned me into a big First Amendment advocate. Oh, yeah, big time. Big time in the sense of like, like... I just, I get so much, like, I, I could even disagree what you're going to say, but, like, I totally now get your right to say it, and, and the beauty of having that freedom in this country. Yeah. And it's been so fun. So I I almost think this should be homework for any comedian. Most people will ignore me, but um, I think everyone should watch Ricky Gervais's stand-up special, Humanity, mm. and then they should go read the New York Times op-ed about it. Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, because it's totally like like Ricky is just being Ricky. He's just having fun. He's just he's just telling jokes. Yeah, he's right? just saying and doing whatever bullshit he says. Yeah, and in fact, it, his hour is actually dedicated to like I'm just telling jokes. I'm not being offensive. Also, just because a word in the joke might be a PC word, doesn't make that thing that noun the butt of the joke. Mm -hmm. You know, and He's like, so like, for example, this joke, boom, throws out a joke and it's funny. Or what about this joke? Boom, throws out a joke and it's funny. He's like, see, I'm not making fun of, you know, say X person. I'm just, I've got a joke that involves, you know, and, um, like, like one of his Caitlyn Jenner jokes was like, uh, you know, he's hosting the Golden Globes. I'm going to butcher these jokes, but it's like, he's like, ah, it's been a long time since I hosted the Golden Globes. Uh, you guys have all changed, uh. Not as much as Bruce Jenner. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I 
it's just a silly joke, right? And then I guess he's like, so on Twitter, all these people start attacking at, him, attacking yeah. me. And you know and what? Have a fucking sense of humor, right? Okay, because right. that's accurate, right? Right. And so, like the whole the whole premise of his hour is almost like I'm joking. Like, yeah, I don't mean any ill will to Bruce and or Caitlyn Jenner. I just I, these are jokes. Yeah. Anyway, and then the uh, the New York Times op ed just lights him up. Yeah, and it's just like attacks he, him. It and just attacks him. And it's funny because you know. I read an article that was a similar to after Chappelle released um, his last couple specials on Netflix. Yeah, there was somebody who came after him saying that his same thing with like yep. the transgender community yep. or whatever. Yeah, and it's weird because I hadn't watched his specials yet, and yep. I finally sat down and watched them after I read that article, and yep. it was like not even at all in yep. ill will. And it's so strange because they're ignoring the sentences in his hour when Chappelle is on stage saying, like, I love tra transgender people. I wish them all the best. You know, like, as an African-American, we're like, we've had struggles, too. And, like, I just want to give you guys some advice. Like, and it's like, well, you glaze over that line. Yeah, this know? whole bunch of, like, yeah, it's weird. There's, yeah. I, And I think a lot of it actually has to do with the fact that these people are just trying to get eyeballs and clicks on their articles. Yeah. And that's it. I think yeah. that they're... They're trying to make a lot of hay out of stuff that just yeah. isn't, and well, and that's it. It's like they just that's the next thing that people, you know, want to build a you know a fucking little stand around is like this this right. But these kinds it, of issues doesn't it feel like that's forty percent of the internet right now? Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> it's complete. It's completely ridiculous, and it's weird because going over to Europe is actually like, and it, uh, you and I had the same experience when we went to Edinburgh, which yeah. is like, wow, I haven't heard, I haven't heard about. Or mm. felt any feelings about racial issues yeah. in like a month. Yeah. Like, and it was actually a relief. Like, you're just yeah. over here and it just doesn't feel like I have to yeah. live in the weird white guilt miasma of Chicago. Yeah. There's, uh, but I mean, it's, uh, it's that, yes, that's true, but also Europe has its fair share of. Kind oh, yeah. Of, there, there's no doubt that there's, it's got its, it's yeah. not a fucking utopia. It's yeah. like, it's got a ton of its own issues. But, yeah. but the ones that I feel like we deal with um, or are, are it's not even like deal with is not even the right term because I don't walk around dealing with the fact that I'm a white man. Yeah. Like I don't have to, there's nothing that I have to like, you know, there's no, nothing is foisted upon me. Right. Because I'm walking around as a white dude, but, right. but, but there is this weird kind of cultural feeling of like, you know, almost forced guilt. Yeah. Of like, you're yeah. straight and you're white and you're cis. Yeah. Like, can you imagine how well you have it? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you're like, what am I? I don't even know what to like. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't happen and over and. And you're like, I'm I'm just trying to get a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I just want to cross the street and use this coupon. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. It's so and then, no, and then you look down at your screen and they're like cisgendered white males are the word, and you're like, ah, uh, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, that's what I'm talking right. about. Like, I think that like partially, at least in France and in Britain, like those issues yeah. are not quite as serious because everybody has universal health care yeah. and there's like a lot of there's yeah. not universal basic income but like there's a welfare state that exists in like yeah. in in many european countries that doesn't yeah. exist in in america and it almost is like you know if you're someone who really does have it bad like so straight up if you're a if you're a, a, tr a black trans you know uh woman in the united states you, yeah. you probably have a really fucking hard time. Yeah. And I don't know that that's true. Oh, I'm sure. Statistically, Guaranteed. probably it is. Yeah. And probably you can't afford health care and probably you don't have, right. you can't get, right. if you can't get a job, you have no way to have accessing resources. Yep. 
in Europe, that's not quite the case, I think. Right. So there's a level of intensity with which right. the two continents have to deal with these issues. Right. So I feel like that... Because because here, that person is, is their scarcity. They're like, oh my God, where am I going to get my meds? Where yes. am I going to get... How am I going to have my needs taken care of? Yep. In, in Europe, at least there might be that baseline. Yep. And actually, I think that that's a larger issue. I have a friend who says this all the time. He says, you know, here we've got America arguing about kneeling and about, <laughs> you know, can you kneel at a football game? Can you, uh, you know, like, uh, can this person use this bathroom? And it's like if he, I mean, it's a bit out there, but he's like, you know, if we would quit arguing about this, we could focus on actual, like, lack of resources. Oh, yeah. Economic injustice. Yeah. Uh, you know, the rich are getting richer while uh, the middle class is, is thinning out. Yeah, it's horrible. And, you know, it's like we're in this crazy, it, it is so surreal sometimes to, like, check your social media and there's an argument over Yanni and Laurel or whatever. And and meanwhile, you know, corporations aren't paying a dime in, in taxes. and Yeah, it's pretty and, fucked up. Uh, yeah, wages aren't keeping up with inflation. Yeah. And, and we it, have no health care. It's so bizarre. I, this is what I was telling. Gloria and I went out to dinner last night, and I was like, I, I feel like they're, it's uncivilized to not have these things in order. It's weird. Yeah. It's like a weird, barbaric, backward culture. Yeah. That like in its soul. I mean, like yeah. people were asking me when I was in France this time, like, where you know, are you you live in Chicago? Are you happy in Chicago? How do you guys feel about this? Like, yeah. pretty much everybody around the world agrees that Trump is an idiot, yeah. with the exception of uh, the people who voted for him in America, right. and and even some of them, I think, are regretting it. Like my dad voted Trump and immediately started apologizing. Wow. <laughs> yeah, wow. I think I, re he, I remember I did a show at uh, the old House of Jokes. Yeah, and I made fun of him. <laughs> yeah, it was like days after the election. Yeah, and <laughs> he like really, I think, has. It feels bad about it now. Yeah, he sat in the back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It was... Um. Anyway, I don't want to get too off base from comedy, but doesn't it feel like sometimes like we're... It just feels like America is kind of... It's kind of gone to every man for themselves. Completely. You know? And, and it's not... It's not good. No. You know? I don't think that there's anything that causes us to feel like we have any sense of community with each other. And I right. think that's pretty bad. Right. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. And even something like the NFL, which for all its faults, like at least there was pageantry, there was ceremony, there was, you know, uh, the 110 million people watched the Super Bowl. Like that's yeah. insane. Well, know? it's weird because that's one of the few common places that we have that people mm -hmm. think is important. And right. it's, it's actually kind of sad in the sense that, like, the things that a culture really cares about, it will automatically get done. Mm -hmm. And it's weird because, like, a lot of these – so the, I'm just going to fly off the outer space. But, like, in, in ancient times and in times past, yeah, many communities and cultures had public rituals that were not necessarily religious in nature. They were – all rituals are religious in the sense that yeah. they, they function – to shepherd psychology in a similar way yeah. that religious ritual does. But yeah. some of them are secular, like um, the president being sworn in, for example. You could say arguably it's religious because it's his hands on the Bible or something. Yeah. But like it's really it's not a particularly religious ceremony. There's a priest, I guess you could say there's a chaplain. So maybe right. there is. But like it's not that's not the point of it. Mm -hmm. It's more of more a public um, secular sort of state ritual. Right. But. Many of those uh, cultures in the past had lots of different rituals that took place in different times of year. Yeah. Almost all of them in our culture are fulfilled by sports. 
yeah. and are fulfilled by national yeah. sports, like yeah. World Series, Super Bowl, yep. you know, all of that. I mean, arguably really just those two mm-hmm. and mostly just the Super Bowl. So interesting you would say that. I got uh, I was hanging out with some buddies recently, and one guy in our circle of friends is in PR. Yep. And uh, we happen to be getting drinks the day of the um, uh, was it Dr. Ford and Brett Kavanaugh hearings? Yeah, you know. Yeah. And we're talking about that, and he's like, "You bet." Hottest porn I've ever seen on C-SPAN. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's as salacious as it gets. But uh, uh, it was he. He really made some good points. He goes, "Of course, people watch that." And in and and in a tribal way too, he's like, you don't get. He goes, what do we watch every night, Thursday through Sunday? Like, what are we watching? I was like, what? And he's like, we're watching people on a gridiron bang their heads against one another. Like, that's our coliseum. Yep. Football's like our coliseum. Those are our gladiators. Yep. Like, that's the safest way that we can have nationally sponsored sort of games, right? Yeah. You know. Um. And and so people are also like fixated upon any kind of salacious kind of trial, any kind of salacious sort of like. And and so so people are actually more, as much as they want to say that they're above or not interested in a celebrity life, like, you bet they're looking at Louis C.K. You bet, like, oh, that stuff. Yeah, totally. You know, now, now when he gets on the cellar, like, whether the media outlet cares or not, they're writing about it. Why? Because people are clicking and reading. Yep. You know? Yep. So that's exactly, I think that's it. It's like, that's why, just to tie this back into a bow, is like, that's, it's a big problem is this like prevalent media culture that just wants to continue to pull at the sweater thread of like the right. things that you are ideologically angry about in the world. Right. And, and it, I don't think it does anybody any good. Yeah. Like it makes everybody feel like there's more differences than there are commonalities. Right. And it, because it, it only focuses on differences. Yep. I'm actually very lucky in that. So something that I like to do is like, I like to actually like check out. So I, I don't mind saying this on a podcast. Like I'm, I'm liberal. I'm progressive. You know, I, I tend to vote Democrat and, you know, and, and yeah, I'm just progressive. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> on a and, Chicago um, podcast, you'll admit crazy. that. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, but I, I do like to check out like conservative media. Yeah. Pretty and me too. Conservative Twitter in particular. And oh, like that's a okay, that's a dark place. That's a Mordor I will not wander into. Okay, so conservative Twitter sounds terrifying to me. Yeah, and it and it can be right. I mean, far right Twitter the worst, of course, but like um, far anything I think is the worst. But like sometimes I like read it and I'm like, they're not like, excuse me, both sides have decent points. Yeah, they've just they're just given these sort of wedge issues. Yeah, so it's uh, like either you're for someone kneeling or you're not. Yeah. And it's like it couldn't possibly be more nuanced. And like it just like it's so lousy because they find a way to pit us against one another. And so you're either in one camp or in the other. Yep. And we don't dialogue. We don't have compromise. There's not like this. uh, Anyway, it's just it's just this perennial battle that is just two sides just kind of bickering and. Oh, what an uplifting podcast. I know, right? We're like really we're we're into it, man. Good pod. I mean, this stuff happens. We talk about this stuff on the pod sometimes. Like it just cuz it affects it 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 weirdly affects comedy because uh you know, I'll do shows like in the last you know, just in the last 2 months, I've done shows in France, I've done wow. shows in uh Lacrosse, Wisconsin, the Laugh Factory here in yeah. Chicago, 
and Holly, Michigan. Yeah. So like in the last couple of months, I've done a bunch of different road gigs and then gigs in Chicago, of course. And then uh, I've been doing my weekly show at the um, uh, playground, uh, not the playground. Yeah. The playground theater. Pardon me. Nice. Um, playground theater. Yeah, yeah, the playground theater. The right? one in Halstead and Yeah, I love. By the way, I love that little space. It's a great. It's a great theater. It's a great. Little... You can get ten people in the audience. It feels packed. Yep, like it's great. Yep, and stadium seating and low ceiling. It's a nice, it's little a tight little room. Room, yeah. Um, yeah. I think they could maybe stand to paint it because it's a little gray and weird. It's yeah. hard to take photos. But mm-hmm. anyway, the um. So I've been doing a bunch of shows, but the the weirdest thing about them is that you depending on where you are geographically yeah. there can be very different reactions to like your your jokes yeah like i have one joke where i talk about i wrote a letter to myself 15 15 years ago i wrote a letter to myself in the future right and i just got that letter yeah. and i closed the letter with saying um hey man either way i'm glad we've moved on from the worst president we could ever have george <laughs> w bush yeah <laughs> And it's weird because you do that in Chicago, everybody laughs. You yeah. do that in Europe, everybody laughs. Yeah. Um, you go to Wisconsin or oh, Michigan God. and people are like, hmm, what are you trying to say? Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's weird because it, it and then I, and, I mean, they'll, they'll get it if you call it out. You're like, okay, fucking red state. Like, yeah. Jesus, you yeah. guys, like, have a sense of humor. You don't, th- like, do you guys really not think that, that Trump is worse than Bush? Like, I wouldn't even say that because that makes it too real. Yeah. Then it's a confrontation. Yeah. But, Anyway, you get the idea. It's just very bizarre because it's like that it's relevant to comedy because right. like, you know, how an audience is actually is relevant and what they think about you is relevant. Right. So like then I have to go through and explain that I'm like, look, I'm not a political com- comedian. Right. Like, I don't I don't like Donald Trump, but I don't like most politicians. Yeah. I liked Obama until he started shooting people from drones and like a fucking Bond villain. Yeah. But see, this goes full circle. We're like, why can't. Why can't we, when when we walk into a comedy club, a comedy room, a comedy show, why can't we just sort of like uh, have like almost like a switch where like, hey guys, we're gonna turn off the filters. We're gonna turn off. Yeah, this is a time the for lens. fun jokes. Right, right. So like, the the comedian's not he's not holding a rally. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. He's not. This isn't a political, you know, rally. Like he's just telling jokes. Like yeah. you could be a Trump supporter and laugh at the joke. You could be. Well, it's so Obama, it's so weird you know, that you like, say that. This is gonna get me in trouble probably. Yeah. But I had this joke where I lived when I lived in Colorado when I talked about moving from Detroit to Boulder, mm-hmm. and I was like, "There's a lot of big changes moving from Detroit to Boulder." One thing in Colorado is that there's no black people which is really weird because as far as I know, there's still crime. And like, that's the joke. Oh, and shit. the crowd would be like, whoa. And I'd be like, hey, which goes to show that stereotype is wrong. So shame on you for not laughing at this joke. Okay. But I would have crowds okay. that would get it and would laugh. Yeah. And um, and then I would have crowds that would pull way back. Yeah. And I would be like, look, I uh, here's the problem, guys. <laughs> I can hear you apologizing right yeah. now. Look, I, I here's the problem. Well, see, that's the thing. Well, I wouldn't apologize. I'd be like, look, here's the problem, guys. You think that I'm trying to make statements when I'm actually just trying to make jokes. Right. And like whether or not that's a good joke, you can disagree right. with. I'll get raucous applause and laughter at it sometimes. Yep. Particularly from, I did that joke in Boulder, Colorado, died. Yep. A week later, I went back to Detroit and I did that in front of a room of mostly black like people yes. and they thought it was hilarious. Yeah. And like, so it's very weird because like it's just it has to do with the audience. But the point mm-hmm. I'm making and the point I would I would make to the, the crowd when I would do that joke yeah. if they didn't laugh is I'd be like, I'm not I'm not up here making statements. Right. Okay. I'm not a politician. I'm a yeah. comedian. I'm trying to point out something that's funny. Yeah. If I was trying to say that black people committed crimes, I would say 
black people commit more crimes. Yeah. <laughs> like I wouldn't yeah. ra- wrap it in this like weird right. attempt at humor. You right. know, that doesn't make any sense. Right. Like, <laughs> and like there is, but, but see, we say this, we're sitting here like two, well, frankly, like two open mic comedians being like, come on, <laughs> get on board with our, with our open mic shit. But really like, that's the job. Oh, that's so funny. It, you know, like that's the job. Like you're like being likable for the whole hour, not no, forty three no, minutes. You're correct. No, you're right. I mean, it's, there's a reason you know? I don't do that joke anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in a weird place. Where, like, oh man, I've been lucky to like do Latino rooms, right? Yeah, and even do some stand up in Spanish to like all Latino crowds, and like that has been a godsend. But it's also been great because like I've grown up and i've 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 worked in latin america i speak spanish like i've worked for immigration attorneys i've worked on it so like i've kind of got a knowledge of the culture sure another culture that's not my own and so when i was able to do laugh factory in spanish some of the best 10 minutes of my life yeah stage. how is that how is the sense of humor different or how are the crowds different well, actually that's the thing is i i make them the butt of the joke and they're totally okay with it yeah and what I've then tried to do is almost facelift those jokes and tell them in front of any crowd. And like, w- like I did it last night in front of like an all white crowd and they were like, <gasps> yeah, cause I, cause the butt of the joke is Latinos, right? Like, so I'll tell a joke, like this is usually the opener. I'm like, there's four Latinos on this lineup and me, a white guy, which goes to show that we can take your jobs too. <laughs> like, that's... <laughs> And at the laugh factor, they f- damn near fell out of their chairs. Yeah, you know. And then I go, "See, si, say, puede, see," si, you know. And I, and I've got all these jokes that are like making fun of. Like, I'll do a joke in Spanish where I'm like, "I learned uh, Spanish in Mexico." Is anyone here from Mexico? And inevitably, someone's like, "Yeah, I'm from Mexico." I go, "Yeah, which cartel, Juarez <laughs> or Tijuana?" You know, <laughs> Mexicans love that joke. Yeah, they just and in Spanish it cuts really hard. Um, you you can't. You know, I guess it is sort of culturally appropriate jokes. Sure. Because, like, like I, yeah, it's it's hard to tell because white people are like, can you say that to Latinos? I think that that's the biggest. See, that was the thing that living in Boulder is it was white, it was white people's. Yeah. It was crowds of liberal white people who yeah. felt like they didn't feel comfortable laughing because somebody else might get offended or hurt. Yeah. And it yes. was like this weird kind of proxy. Right. Like feeling of. And it's weird, like that's the kind of like a uh, not to not to quote uh, George W. Bush, right. but I love him so much I can't uh, not quote him. <laughs> he would call that the what the soft bigotry of low expectations is this idea of like your you think so highly of yourself and so low of someone else that you need to protect them or that yeah. your sensibilities need to surround or wrap around theirs right. because theirs aren't immature right. enough to actually handle. Well, it's co- it's kind of weirdly coddling in a way. Yeah, and actually, I've been th- so as a liberal, I've been thinking about this as well. I kind of feel like, like it's surreal in that, like, so we're we're liberal. We we pr- sure. liberals pride themselves. Well, we're open minded. We're open minded to all forms of sexuality and and sure. and ideas and and it's like free spirits and and that's like liberalism's like liberals trying to pat themselves on the back. <laughs> yeah. But then they meet a conservative and yeah. they're like, Oh hell no. Yeah. <laughs> and it's what's like, wrong with this guy? Wait. Yeah. And then they're like, But you're not a conservative, are you? And it's like well, and it's like, what what happened to being open to all ideas? You yeah. know? And and so it's there's something I do get when the right says that that we're hypocritical. 
Oh, I like. think it's 100% right. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's right for the same reasons you just described. You know? It's very bizarre because I'm I'm also, I'm, I feel the same way. I'm a, I'm a, I've always been a liberal left wing yeah. and I feel like I still am. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think you can be for socialized sort of universal health care and not be a liberal. Right. But I, so I am, but I also mm-hmm. feel very bizarre because I feel alienated from a lot of where that conversation is going and the yeah. left because I'm like, I just don't believe in a lot of the same kind of right shit man right like I, I don't think that policing people's words is going to be better for anybody right well yeah and i, I was saying this uh with joe kilgallen one night at at uh foundation room we, we were like you know it's like the left is eating itself yeah it's an so, ouroboros yeah, yeah it's, it's it, so bizarre it's so weird that's it's why like, trump's gonna keep winning he's why he's why he's probably gonna win again yeah and and also though he's a master of rallying his his base yeah he's a master at it yeah, I mean, people don't realize. I think two weeks into office was when he declared that those seven nations could not travel. Uh, he put a travel ban on yeah. those like seven or eight nations. And like, I happened to be in L.A. at the time, and um, my liberal friends were just besides losing themselves. their minds. They yeah. were like, "We're gonna stay in. We're gonna have a glass of wine and just be with this," <laughs> you know. <laughs> and I was the unpopular guy at the party. I was like, "Oh." Trump just got reelected. Yeah. And they're like, what? There's no way. And I go, no, you don't understand. People who, they love this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they're so happy. He's the strong man, and he's doing something. He, he did even something. If it did, and that's the thing is, even if it didn't work, the right. narrative plays in exactly the way that they wanted it right. to, which is the strong man tried to do the right thing, right. and this giant culture of bullshit around him. Liberals. Pre- yeah, liberals yep. and bullshit prevented him from helping us and doing yep. the good thing. That's that's your re-election in, in a nutshell. Yeah, pretty much. In 60 seconds. Yeah, I saw the same thing happen when that occurred. Yeah. And it was, I was like, this is so fucked up, man. Yeah. Like, well, and this is the thing is we're all in these echo chambers. Like, liberals are like, liberals are like, there's no way he's going to get re-elected. And it's because. Yeah, it's the same people who were like, there's no way he's going to get elected. Right, right, <laughs> right. And well, so I said this to my girlfriend at the time when he did get elected. I was like, you know, we really are in a Chicago liberal bubble. Yeah, no doubt. To the point where, like, coming full circle, like, I'd log into Facebook and someone's on a rant about maybe cisgendered people. And there's like a hundred thousand likes. Right. Yeah. And right, or something about like you know sexual infringement and all this stuff. And as important as that is, and it gets a hundred likes or four hundred likes or whatever, I I said to my girlfriend, I said, you know, we're not seeing what people are posting in Ohio yep, and Michigan yep. and Wisconsin. And we're not seeing like, what does, and I said to her, I was like, what does a Facebook feed look like for someone in a rural town in a red state? Yeah. Just lots of Russian created memes. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> you know, but I was yeah. seeing, so that's weird that you say that. Cause I was seeing, by the yeah. way, I didn't plan on talking about any of this kind of Me stuff. Either. Either, yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's kind of interesting how this has yeah. developed. The, um, it's fascinating though, Chris, because that, I, w- I was seeing that stuff because my uncle uh, in Michigan is a real Trump was a, is a real Trump supporter was right. a real Trump supporter. Um, he doesn't think that Trump is perfect, but he's like just yeah. a he's one of these conservatives that has felt completely ignored by the by the Republican Party for right. the last like t- like ten years almost. Yep, and it's so weird because like he he and I had this podcast called Unkview for a while because he's mm-hmm. I'm he's the uncle I'm the nephew. Nice and we would talk about all kinds of different things like this and mostly political stuff. And, uh, he would share different memes and things with me. And we started advertising Unkfew because he was really trying to set it up to have like more of a political message kind of. Yeah. And it was like, 
he he and i'm the liberal he's the conservative guy like but we would con- converse about all this kind of stuff it's actually kind of a fun podcast but he would post these uh memes that he would create that would be really simple and they would just be like really simple like um you know um it was obama the worst president of all time and that would wow. just be the thing and it would get so many, many likes, likes and shares wow like an outrageous number of likes and shares wow and with just the littlest bit of like him pushing it yeah and that's what got me kind of scared leading up to the election yeah. i still didn't think trump would win right um but i remember people being like oh it's like a slam dunk like this guy's an idiot and i'm like yeah. you do not understand that there's a huge swaths of this country right and you know what's even weirder man is having now leaning into the entertainment industry further as i am going to nytvf um, MIPCOM, like talking to all these different executives and right. development people. The, the the argument that conservatives have that they're like the the media is liberally controlled yeah. is 110% right. Yeah. It's so accurate and mm. it's bizarre actually because there was a every single one of these events that I've gone to in the last year with this TV show right. has had a slant, every single one has had a slant of diversity in media and like women in media and diversity in media and like Everyone I go to, every single panel is like mostly women. Yeah. And it's bizarre to me because I'm like, I don't look, maybe they're doing this on purpose and it's the availability bias because these are everybody's like, well, we got to make sure that the panels are mostly women now. Right. But I've met more women in the industry than I ever have guys in the industry. Yeah. And it seems strange to me because like that, that there's just it doesn't seem like it's a problem there yeah but yet they're still talking about it yeah um there's you know diversity you can argue is maybe a problem right but like it's just strange because that only exists within that echo chamber right and yet now we all have to deal with it so like just part of the you know like do trans people have it harder yeah should we maybe go out of our way to try to respect the fact that they have it harder and maybe if if it doesn't infringe on anything we're doing should we make it easier for them sure like but that's such a small percentage of the population. The right. reason it's such a disproportionately large number amount of the conversation is because these bastions of media that are all liberal care about those issues sure. way stronger. And there are large areas of the country that don't give a shit about that stuff. Right. And it's very weird, actually, because I think that they see Trump. Um, I'll get off my soapbox in a second. But they think that they see Trump as as a symbolic representation of their frustration at yeah. the world in that regard because he pisses those types of people off. Well, and he, he certainly does. I, I get the rage at him, but the, and, and to my point earlier is like, why isn't the conversation more with the, the right about like, okay, so what is it that you're, you're, you're wanting here? Or like, because what, what, what happens is they wrap it all, like take this kneeling thing. It's like, it's like, Colin Kaepernick, all he's saying is that he wants to raise awareness for police brutality. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I totally all about that. Yep. But someone had the audacity and maybe probably not in a good way to be like, well, it's unpatriotic and it's against our soldiers. Well, who loves the soldiers right more? <laughs> I mean, we're in that con. So now you've made it about the truth. Well, so, you know, that's that's funny. And it flips it on its head. And now it's no longer about police brutality. It's about disrespecting the flag and disrespecting our and our soldiers. And it's like you've changed the conversation. And rather than having a productive conversation right. about what could potentially have been just right. one subject. Right. Now everything is thrown into this fucking pot. Right. 
And and, right, and it and it and then it becomes a wedge issue, and it rallies one one base and yeah. rallies the other. And then Nike is now using Colin Kaepernick, and, and well, and now we're all fighting. Yeah. And rather than just be like, is police brutality a problem? Yes. Should we do something about police brutality? Yeah. You know, like rather than, yeah. Now it's like f you and f you, and now, and it's so totally insane. I do I like Trump? Of course not. But I can see how like someone who's fed up. Or, or not even fed up. If you're told that this is what the left means, then you're gonna believe it, right? If you're consuming, I mean, you all, well because this is the problem. Is like you and I. So the, the you know the, we're we're having this conversation through a lens of the other side is the conservatives, and right. but think about from their perspective, they're also in an echo chamber, right? And all they see are right. you know more you know anti Obama pe- means yeah people don't respect the flag yeah. and like. The things, the values that are important to them are things like loyalty. Russian um, blogs. Yeah, Russian blogs. Privyat, <laughs> 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 America. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it is. It's, so it's like, <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I will, as a liberal, I'll like tune into Fox News and my jaw will hit the ground because I'm like, that's not what they're saying. Dude, it gets even worse than that. Like, it's funny because you, you're talking about consuming uh, conservative Twitter. Like, I'm. Yeah. I've fallen down the rabbit hole of consuming conservative YouTube mm-hmm. for a while. Oh, wow. And it's led me to some interesting places. I think guys like Ben Shapiro are pretty mm-hmm. interesting. I don't mm-hmm. agree with everything he says. Yeah. Um, but it's it's fascinating because like him and, you know, a handful of that ilk of people, Douglas Murray, um, I'm trying to think who else maybe would be good to good to mention, but at least at least those two guys, they... um. They've offered perspectives that you don't ever see or hear in like yeah. in in predominant sort yeah. of media. Yeah. Um. So that's been kind of well, interesting. And again, like if you are a liberal, you should be open to at least hearing hearing that what, shit. I mean, we'd be hypocrites to sit here and say don't consume it because here we are saying no. We'd like you to listen to our comedy. Yeah. You know. Yeah, so. and I, you don't have to. It's the same thing that I was saying earlier about that joke that that tactless joke I made about you know yeah. crime and black people yeah. is that yeah. <laughs> look you don't you don't have to think that it's funny okay yeah. but like don't it's it feels bizarre for you to attack me for having made it or yeah. for painting me with a, mm. you know with mm. motive motives that. Yeah. I've never expressed or yeah. that like, and I feel like that's the real, that is the, actually the real evil yeah. that takes place is that somebody who you can have an opinion on something or, or have a viewpoint. Yeah. It doesn't make, it doesn't, it doesn't make your, your motives evil. Like yeah. Ben Shapiro and I can have a reasonable disagreement about universal healthcare, but right. because he disagrees with me, I don't think like he wants poor people to die right. or like he hates poor people or, or something. Yeah. Or he's it's, the antichrist. Yeah. And, it's fucking yeah. weird to impugn someone's motives like that. Yeah. Like he, he just, we can have a reasonable disagreement on what the actual best solution for sick people in the United states is yeah and th- and that's where like i'd say coming full circle like the comedy club should be the one room in america it's not a church it's not a classroom it's not a lecture hall it's not a media outlet it's like the one room where like when you go in there should almost be like a warning sign like warning there will be jokes <laughs> do not take it serious. you know yeah, like they should yeah. almost have like a disclaimer like like you're here to have fun like Bill Burr talks about this a lot, like on this issue. He's like, he's like, so let me get this straight. You're laughing for 43 minutes. Then all of a sudden in the 44th minute, I throw out a joke you don't like. And now you're going to go blog about it. Like, yeah. He's like, you're like the first 43 minutes. Yeah. And then we moved along and you like the last 17. Joan Rivers once was doing you know. stand up. Uh, and this was in a documentary, I think, about Joan Rivers, that yeah. like piece of work or whatever. Yeah. 
that some woman got up or, or man, I forget who it was and like yeah. started yelling at her in yeah. one of her shows because she made a joke about blind people, I think. Yeah. And uh, it was kind of weird because she afterwards was like, well, you know, he was kind of taking his side almost like, well, his daughter was blind and you yeah. know, you could see how somebody could get really worked up over hearing what I was saying. But at the same time, she was like, look, like, who do you think you are that you think your tastes are so much more important right. than everybody else in this crowd's right to hear what they paid to come and see. Right. There's something kind of about that. T- I mean, it's not the same thing. I know I'm switching gears. No, a no, no. Bit, she, she raises a good point. That person disrupted a show. I've seen yeah. that documentary. It's um, it's something about kidney dialysis or something. And um, because she saved it by making a joke about how we can't, couldn't find Bin Laden at the time because he's on uh, dialysis. Yeah, I got it. And um, but it is that's actually pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, she's like making fun of uh, <laughs> her disabled husband. I even because <laughs> like the guy is yelling at her and she has to shout him down and gets a laugh to get her out of it. It's kind of masterful in a way. Um, and no, but she's absolutely right. Those people paid to see Joan Rivers. Yeah, they knew what they were getting into. And this guy's taste felt like it superseded the room. Yeah, like I get to yell at the person with the microphone. Like, no, you. Don't do that. Yeah, like, get up and leave if you don't like it. Yeah, part of the contract is that you're going to sit there yeah. and laugh. Fucking I went to I went to you know. the the um what is that po- amateur porn festival hump? What? Like, Gloria <laughs> takes me to this every year. Yeah, it's this amateur porn festival. <laughs> and before it begins, Dan Savage always goes, Look, if there's something you don't like, don't boo, don't jeer, don't whatever. It's like everybody has different tastes. You just don't have to watch it. Yeah. So when the two trans girls are jerking each other's dicks off on each other's faces, I'm like, you know what? This isn't for me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, oh, man. How did you ever get to that? Like, you're like so past the line that you're like, <laughs> you're like, you know what? Uh, <laughs> It wasn't the tip off when it was two trans people undressing each other. I didn't know they were trans. I didn't know they were trans. Until... <laughs> you know, like, this is pretty these gay. Are, these, are pre- these are two really cute, cute boyish women. Yeah, yeah. And then, oh, that oh, explains oh, it. They're, wow, they're, they're, they're getting naked. They got oh, boy, they're boys, oh, actually. Wow, they're wow, they're <laughs> it's below the below the it's waist so, nudity. It's so weird too because like Gloria was like, oh my gosh, don't uh, you think that they're so pretty? And I was like, nah, I just don't. I just don't, <laughs> just really don't feel comfortable. <laughs> like, dude, the line was so. I love how, like, in the middle of the porn, you're like, yeah, maybe not for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the point is that I'm making is that, like, I didn't get up and uh, start talking about right. how how dare you put this on screen, or right. I just close my eyes and finish jerking my dick off in my uh, pants, just like everybody else yeah, in the theater. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I've never heard of this festival. I've never. So <laughs> that's got to be an insane festival, right? Oh, it's like, like the weirdest thing I've ever. It's like one of the weirdest things I've ever done is that there's. It's called Hump, and it's uh, oh they play, it's the Music Box every year. It's an amateur porn festival, and here's how it works: uh, people in America just decide to go shoot their own porn, and then they send it in to. Uh, oh my the, god! Hump, and then they 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 send. You have to send a physical copy. Um. They don't digital copy anything. Wow. They create the film reel and then they they play it. They go on a tour with it 
every they wow. play it in a handful of different theaters in different places yeah and then they destroy it and it's yeah. like anybody who is in it you'll never know unless you saw them at yeah. you know kind of live quote unquote mm-hmm. um it's kind of a cool idea actually but it is very weird because it's the music box theater uh, yeah. so it's like a hundred something a couple hundred people in this theater yeah watching people fuck on screen and wow. it's like real it's real porn it's like so that that's weird to me because like porn is clearly clearly the idea is to entertain and stimulate you right yeah so you've got a hundred people sitting there like horny af yeah and, and they're not and then they they've just got to deal with that like yeah they probably all go back home and fuck probably they better like <laughs> do you know how frustrating that would be I'd be like five minutes in I'd be like honey can we go like <laughs> this is ridiculous like I'm there it's <laughs> I mean but here's the thing it's like it's not it's just a different it's it's an art you know it's I hate to say it like this but it's kind of an artistic experience yeah because you're like yeah you know there are people who are making porn that isn't directly just people fucking that yeah. does happen but it's yeah. like different yeah it's people it's amateurs trying to try their hand at the craft yeah <laughs> that is <laughs> the craft, the craft. <laughs> which hey teach their own yeah so. so anyway the point that i'm making just to draw this back is like <laughs> to comedy is like yeah, yeah you don't have to fucking stand up yeah. and start yelling it or whatever yeah which again, it's like, uh, you know, I hate to keep quoting him, but he's one of the best comedians right now. Bill Burr is like, okay, like that one's not for you. The other jokes were for you. You were on board. Yeah. But that one, it's not for you. Yeah. Like, you don't have to go write a blog about it. You don't have to like get up in arms. Like that one, that one joke is not for you. I got a whole catalog of them. You know. That's funny. And uh, you like all of them, but the one. So can we? I just, just think that you know, you know comedy is is such a fascinating place in terms of the first amendment and the right to free speech, because it's, it's just naturally transgressive. It just has to be. Yeah. Because what you're doing is you're taking and reframing and recontextualizing things in a way, um, that hopefully, hopefully is funny. And, and that recontextualization is by definition transgressive. Yeah. Here are are people who have thoughts about X, Y, or Z thing. And I'm going to change the meaning of those things to you in real time by either putting them next to each other or turning them on their side, right. or like doing something with them, which again is almost why like maybe you do need, and I, maybe I'm diluting it, but I like the idea of like walking into a comedy club and maybe on the menu placard on the table it's something like this is a free speech zone, or like this is a, you know, like if you don't like, I guess so. Right now the seller, because uh, Louis's been getting back on stage there. Have yep. you heard about their um, swim at your own risk policy? No, that's great though. Yeah, so they've got basically they they call it the swim at your own risk. Like if you're and they've now said this in light of like the Louis thing, if a comedian bounds on stage because these guys do drop in sets, so if someone drops in who you don't like or you have an issue with due to whatever, um, you are allowed now at the cellar to just get up and leave, and you don't have to pay your check. Yeah. So like if they bring up Louis. And you are offended by his transgression, by, by his by his presence. Yeah, if it's bothersome to you, uh, you can literally get up and just walk out, no questions asked, and you don't have to pay your check. Wow! So I am planning to go to the cellar uh, and <laughs> never and just walk out, like just <laughs> the last three minutes. I'll just never pay a check. I'm like, oh, I'm offended. <laughs> They're like, sir, you've been offended for a where's week. Where's Noam? Where's the manager? <laughs> I'm not paying for this. Yeah. I know I've been here for three and a half hours, but You're like Jim Gaffigan's offensive oh, to me. <laughs> Jim, Ga- Jim Gaffigan's offensive. Like, I just can't stand him. <laughs> Do you look how white he is? Yeah, that's very funny. Yeah. Uh, how far into this goddamn thing are we? I don't know. Uh, we're coming up on an. Oh man, we're at an hour already. 
uh, I wanted to, you know, I mean, we gotta. I really need to have you back, I guess, because this is the first time you've been on this podcast, right? First time, yeah. It feels like I've. It feels for some reason like it's been the second time you've been on this podcast. But, yeah. Uh, well, I have to have you back to talk about things that I actually wanted to talk about. <laughs> Which was what, real quick? Like, what was? Well, I wanted to go through kind of more of your. I don't know you've talked about it elsewhere, but just like you know, your your sort of the work that you've done in Latin America and like uh, the, yeah. the the the. Uh, documentary that you were filming and all that stuff and then i kind of just wanted to talk about like you it's been a while since you and i caught up like we did edinburgh last year and i almost feel like it's been a year since you and i have connected about anything really my year has been insane between getting the new job Mm -hmm. shooting the pilot trying to get it sold i haven't had time to do shit yeah i've barely had time to go out and do any comedy um besides gigs i've been booked on yeah so it's just kind of been a lot, and uh, your schedule is insane. I mean, mine too. Yeah, it's um, it's nuts. Yeah, it, dude, our history is so weird. I mean, every comics history in Chicago is weird too, but ours in particular is like inter- between Edinburgh, yeah, and just miking and shows and like. By the way, Edinburgh, like we should do a podcast on that one alone. Yeah, yeah, sh- we really ought to. I mean, I haven't ever digested it on the podcast because I only started doing this pod yeah. about a year ago after I came back from Edinburgh yeah. Yeah. because I was like, I have to keep, yeah, I have to just keep. The- Edinburgh is what taught me really that I was like, I have to be way because mm-hmm. you meet people out there who are so into it, yeah, that they they don't even see the light of day, like they're. It's it's its own beast. Yeah, it's its own beast. I would go back in a heartbeat. Yeah, I'm planning on going back next year. Wow, I uh, should have gone back this year. I feel bad that I didn't. Okay, so I know we're almost like. So this is kind of like where I was going early an hour ago. No offense, don't don't take this the wrong way, but like, you know, you drop these hints where it's like you're like, dude, like you dropped a huge chunk of money. Yeah, on the on the pilot. You also dropped. I know you dropped a decent chunk of change on Edinburgh. Pro- yeah, probably like ten k. Like, how are you? How are? What would you say to these comics who are listening? Like, how is Brendan doing this? I just work my ass off. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, there's no other. That's a good question. Because uh, I'm not saying this shit. Maybe, maybe a little bit. But I feel like if people listen to this, they're like, uh, "Lemons, like, blah, trying to be like, look how much money I have or something." But yeah. like, it's more so. It's if anything, I feel kind of ashamed of it in the sense that like. I've had there are comics who get paid to go out there like I had to pay I had to drop a lot of money I mean like in the Edinburgh thing I was happy with because the Chicago Comedy Showcase was like an amazing opportunity for all of these Chicago comics to come out I was really happy that I was able to make that happen but like you know I just work my fucking ass off at the at the day job like that's why I'm working 50 hours a week is because it's funded all of this stuff yeah like and it makes me feel weirdly ashamed actually Chris sometimes because I feel like am I really not good enough a comedian to like that I have to like like a super amateur pay my way into all of these places. But no, I don't think you can follow that train of thought. You look at this time in our careers, we are not famous enough, we are not good enough. Let's just call it speedus, but we're not good enough. We don't have the time, the jokes, the hours to have a built-in paid audience. Yeah. Uh, there just simply are not enough people who know who we are and love our stuff to pay for our lives. Yeah. So we have to have these jobs. Yeah, and so that's a, that's kind of what I keep telling myself. And right. I'm like, I, I do know that there's a time, this was the thing that and you were... And for not, the record, that's 99.5% of all Chicago comics. Yeah. <laughs> like, 99, like, there's maybe 0.5% that are actually... 
I, I living think, off of comedy, right? Yeah. Adam Burke, maybe Adam Burke, and he's he's got a sweet job with Wait Wait, and he grinds and he does. Sh- so it's like, okay, maybe ninety nine point nine have a day job, you yep. know? So it's yep. like, I, I yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't want to beat myself up over it too much. I think that, you know, I I worked, I I really worked my ass off to try to get a a day job that would enable me to like do all this stuff, yep. Yep. and this is this has really helped. Yeah. Um. I also think sometimes when I'm like, would this not have been better to not spend any money on this stuff and instead shove it into like long-term investments? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, actually, yeah. So I can't <laughs> believe you just stumbled upon that. So I actually am a big advocate for a good day job if you're going to do comedy, particularly for you and I, because Monday through Friday, nine to five, loop job. Yeah. You know, that's what we've got. We've got these kind of like executive cubicle jobs in the loop. Yep. And I'm a big advocate for that because sometimes like you'll see a guy who hasn't been out for a while and you're like, man, where, where have you been? And he goes, oh man, lost my job. Or yeah, like, like the economic insecurity for an open micer. Oh, there's just no, yeah. It like threatens their ability there's to, nothing. or maybe they're out every night, but they don't have a day job. I mean, I just think part of the reason that I'm so motivated and that I worked mm-hmm. so hard to get where I have been in the day job is that when right. I was, you know, I'll say, you know, Jake West roasted me for this the other day is that I will at every opportunity tell somebody that I've been doing comedy for like 16 years or something. But I part of the reason that I never was able to really focus on it as much as I liked in the past was that I, you know, I was living in Detroit and didn't have any fucking money and kind of was at a point in my life where I literally didn't have enough money to buy the gas to go drive around to different open mics. And in, in Detroit particularly is like yeah. you have to have a car and you yeah. have to be driving around yeah. every night. You go through a quarter tank of gas every day, just going, trying to mm. go to different open mics mm. because of the way the geography is. But yeah, see, I don't agree with that. Like I, I actually think get your economic security in line first. Mm. So you can open if, if I'm about to do how the F could I focus on an open mic when I'm not sure where the rent money's coming from. Yeah, see, that's I feel the same way. It's like I'm like your priorities are are, are got to be out of order. Like, yeah, like you have to have a decent ability to run at developing an act and yeah. at getting a following and like yeah. any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, I don't know, but then you hear these stories about Hannibal who like lived on the bus for like three months when he no. was in New York. Did he really? I mean, that's what he says. And then like, or you think Jeff R. Curry, for example, who, you know, has been on. Yeah. Um, late night. Yeah. Late night. And uh, he like lived on people's couches for months in New York wow. as he was like really hustling to try to get some attention. Finally got it. You know wow. what I mean? So I, I don't know. I think that there's a weird balance because like, and I'm always trying to figure out where that line is because I definitely have been enabled to develop lots of new material and get lots of experience and meet mm-hmm. lots of people and meet industry people. I mean, like this right. this thing has been me doing this TV thing has been great because it's just helped me get further into this world. But it's all been like self-funded. Right. And at some point you're like, I don't know where the line, you know, yeah. where there's some there's a point at which that self-funding has to start becoming funded by fans or crowds or, you know, right. whatever. It has to start being self-sufficient. Right. Because I can't keep this up forever. Like, I, th- I think for your next for your next big go, whatever it is, you you, you need to try crowdfunding. Yeah. Be- because you're at a point. I, I, di- I will say this. From my point, I'm trying to stockpile savings. Yeah. Because what if a move 
ever comes about for me in yeah. anything. I mean, so frankly, and like, I don't know if we're way over time or whatever. Like, no, we can keep talking. Anyone's still listening. I, I have got. <laughs> we haven't gotten rid of you with yeah, those trans, trans black or conservative <laughs> jokes. Right, right, right. Um, if, yeah, if anyone's still listening, I will say this. I've gotten really big into, I, only for about two months now, I've been obsessively reading about the fire movement. Have you heard of this? No. Okay. So fire movement, there's an article in the Times about it, and it's basically FIRE uh, acronym. It means financially independent, retire early. Financially yeah. oh, independent, okay, retire got early, it. FIRE. And um, I'm, I'm not interested in retiring early. I love work. I'll always work. You know, But the idea is like save your money. Like invest that money, stockpile your money, like have a ridiculously high savings and investing rate and live simply because yep. you don't know what tide is coming. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. And so like, I mean, it, like anything, it gets cultish and like people are getting wildly like, compet- oh, over, you know, like yeah. someone's like, oh, yeah, you're saving 50% of your paycheck. Well, I save 75. Like, and then, oh, you know, and people on Reddit like. But, I mean, the idea being, like, one day a robot is probably going to take your job. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's real. I think that's totally real. Right. That, like, I... It's funny, because Gloria and I, like, as much as we like this apartment, and everybody who walks in here likes it, we were like, maybe we should downsize because of that exact reason. Yeah. That, like, it... It's the... You know, something like that's going to happen. Robots are going to take your job, and you got to be prepared for it. I'm... Well, and I think in our field, what if... If I get booked on a big gig in Michigan or something, I don't have a car. I need that money for a rental car. Sure. Or like, or like, what if I do decide to move to New York or LA? Oh my God. You're moving, you're flying, you're de- first month's rent. Like, Dude, it would be first mo- two months. Moving rent. to New York uh, I, at its face costs 15 grand. You're joking. No, I'm not. I mean, you have to have three, depending on where you live, I guess, but you have to, in the whole city, you have to pay basically three months of rent, one security deposit, first month's last month's. That's you're three, three right there. And depending on like the size of the apartment and where it is and what the rent is, like if you want to live in Manhattan, it's going to be fifteen grand. Like just between, not just first, last, and security deposit, but movement fee. I mean, like moving expenses, all that stuff. Like I sat down and did the math because Gloria and I almost moved in March, and wow. like it was just a lot. And I, fr- I kind of freaked out because I was like, I know what it's like to be homeless, and I know the feeling of like vulnerability and risk that I had before. Yeah, I like lost everything and had to fucking work back up from yeah. literally sleeping in my car and this feels a lot like it yeah. like so yeah it was pretty weird yeah wow. I, I mean that's just it's not wrong to to i think shove as much as you can into long-term stuff and just be like i don't want to touch it right right yeah it's uh the uh, old uh it's the buy and hold strategy with the stock market yeah that's the idea and then you know after 30 years it, it'll be some nice coin yeah know? and then i can go spend it on just tie hookers for the rest of my life <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> uh yeah and being a film festival about it <laughs> i actually i guess <laughs> that's my next project that's what i start should start pitching to producers would get behind that yeah like here's the thing it's just like anthony bourdain's no reservations except with hookers instead of right, food. except for porn <laughs> except for hookers instead of food we just go to, to find the best hookers on the right, world right right oh my god some channel online like x hamster would be into that oh my god they have oh, so much, they got money to burn. Yeah. That's yeah. actually a great idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Try running that by your girlfriend. <laughs> oh my God. Gloria would be. She, it's so uh, funny because I don't know. I literally don't know what Gloria's reaction would be. She'd probably be like, Does that sound fun to you? Yeah. And I'd be like, Well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Chris Trowney, 
Uh, thanks so much for being on the pod, man. We should probably wrap this up and then uh, we'll have to do another one like in uh, another month or so, maybe after Thanksgiving or yeah, something. That'd be to, great. Do another catch up. Yeah. Uh, we'll uh we'll have to explore the real things that we wanted to talk about, but <laughs> well, political Comedy. stuff is good, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, dude, thank you for having me on. Yeah. I appreciate Where it. Where can people get at you, man? Uh, I, on Twitter at Chris Trainee, uh, Facebook as well, and then uh, my big thing, I guess, is House of Blues every Tuesday. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool, man. And then so. Tight Ship also, right? Tight Ship every other Thursday. You Twitter run that well. with Austin Lafond? Uh, Austin's gone. Uh, it's a tight crew now it's me john gasper jacob lowry and uh lindsey lucido so just a small crew oh man lindsey yeah. who's also moving soon moving to new york oh yeah. boy hope so. she's got 15 grand <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll see yeah. all right uh chris thanks so much dude thank you all right bye